You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. What's going on, everybody? This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 89, Learning from My Top 5 Youth Ministry Mistakes. Well, this could easily be about my own personal youth ministry mistakes. Uh, I've mentioned them here and there in different episodes, and I'll probably have an episode like that sooner or later. But my guest today, Dan Istvanik uh, from Youth Ministry Hub, who is a longtime youth ministry veteran, has offered to come on to talk about his top five mistakes in youth ministry over his 28 plus years working in youth ministry. Uh, Definitely some good wisdom shared here, some good laughs we have at our own expense. And uh, yeah, I hope you're able to learn uh, from these mistakes and some things that you might be doing and some perspectives you might have with your own ministry right now. So let's go ahead and hop into that conversation with Dan. Well, Dan, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad we can make this happen. yeah, thanks for having me yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure several people watching and listening uh, know who you are, are familiar with some of the things that you've done or that you do, uh, but could you give us a little <laughs> intro uh, about yourself and what you've done and what you're doing in the world of youth ministry? Sure. Um, I'm a 28-year youth ministry veteran, so I've been working with students and families for over 28 years as of November. Uh, I'm currently just outside Chicago. I've been here about three years as a family pastor, still working with students, been overseeing the children's ministry, uh, student ministry, and then also some men's and women's ministry, as well as our church, really having an umbrella of student ministry connecting to a lot of things. Uh, Beyond the walls of my church, I've been kind of a writer speaker for about 10 or 15 years now. Uh, last couple of years, we relaunched a website called youthministryhub.com, where we provide uh, youth ministry resources as well as family ministry resources and a lot of other stuff. So just been having a great time uh, working within their church, with outside of our church as well, and also doing some networking, even locally, just helping young youth pastors uh, mentor to coach them through the next steps of life. Awesome. Love it, man. Love it. Love it. Uh, so for this episode, uh, you've graciously offered to talk about your top five mistakes <laughs> in almost 30 years of ministry. I know I've made more than I can count, so I'm, I'm very interested to see um, where mine align with yours and where I can speak into that. Um, but we're going to hit these uh, sort of in the format of um, what the mistake was, what happened, what you learned during it yeah. and from it, and then how you adjusted moving forward. So that way people who are watching and listening, finding themselves here, can maybe have some good insight <laughs> sure. uh, to how, how they can uh, move forward in that as well, man. So yeah, let's, let, let's go through what are those mistakes and how have you learned from them and how have you adjusted? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to decide with that one of the, the crazy, wild, fun ones that I didn't learn a whole lot from or some <laughs> things generally that uh, I just keep making uh-huh, yeah, um, and, or just sure. started making over and over again. Mm-hmm. So I think early on in youth ministry, my biggest mistakes were going from five to one. Um, first one was always trying to act like students. Okay. So there were so many stories and it's almost stereotypical, but early on and even honestly, I know a lot of young youth pastors and older youth pastors are still trying to pull off the skinny jeans and the deep V-neck and uh, just look ridiculous. 
but I think the biggest mistake over all the years was, you know, early on, especially, but even sometimes I slip into it is trying to be hip and cool, try to dress in a certain way or think that I'm going to be more relevant. And, um, you know, I have a 18 year old daughter and a 50 year old son, and they laugh me out of the, out the house when I, I try to act cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, but that's not honestly what students don't want. I mean, they want authentic authenticity. They want an adult that cares for them. Uh, a few years ago, uh, speaking at youth specialties, I talked about the idea of a friend or father that students really don't need another friend. They have a lot of friends. What they need is they need those people that are willing to be adults in their life. And uh, that mistake come, happens over and over again. I, I can think of times where I've said the wrong slang phrase in front of my students trying to be relevant, and it goes really, really poorly. Mm-hmm. I get those phone calls from moms and dads saying, you know, you don't understand what that means. And I was like, I Googled it. Um, I do now, but those are <laughs> moments that, uh, you know, you know, the, when net ch- Netflix and chill just came oh. out, that was my, my faux pas oh, no. and, uh, <laughs> a few other, those ones that thankfully my son helps me out a little bit now, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's almost a stereotype, but so many of us make that, that common mistake of trying to be hip and cool. And to be real, the same thing is really is trying to find hip and cool leaders. Yeah. Um, some of my greatest leaders are well into their senior years. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I have a guy named Paul who's had two back surgeries, has a cane, and he is one of our best leaders. He's out there with a cane playing dodgeball. He tries, um, but the guys absolutely adore him, and he is the farthest thing from hip and cool, and he doesn't even try to be, but he's dedicated to students. He's dedicated in his life. I mean, also, he's been a lifelong youth volunteer. I mean, multiple churches, and we're lucky to have him. And so I think that's one of those, um, you know, there's silly, funny moments that go along with that, but really try to make sure that we are real and authentic is, is a huge win. And it's a huge mistake when we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Several leaders, um, both here at the church I work at and then the churches I've been at, um, the ones that are steadfast um, are the ones that, that stand out and yeah, they can have some <laughs> athletic flair or be, be goofy or be that funny guy in the room. But the ones that stand out and that go long-term with meaningful impact, um, are the ones that are just there and, and present. And yeah, yeah, uh, you know, I think with middle schoolers, especially, um, just being able to have the patience to wrangle cats is more needed than trying to be cool. Oh, for sure. And, uh, and I know for young guys, especially like making that jump themselves of like, I still want to be hip and cool. But then as we get older, just as you said, trying to couch it as well, I need, I need to be relevant, but even no, no matter what the mindset is, we often find ourselves moving away like from where we're trying to go by trying to do that. And it's just the wrong mindset. They smell a fake a mile away. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. And yeah, honestly, in that same vein, uh, I think that, you know, over and over again, when I was a young youth pastor, I tried to build relationships with students, become their friend and not be, um, have building relationships with adults. And so I know early on, I mean, my only friendships, my first church as a single youth pastor were with the teens I wasn't really building adult relationships mm. and that was, that was a silly, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, even though I was similar in some way, in some ways, their age, um, a lot of young youth pastors getting out, even honestly, even to some, you know, youth pastors been together a couple of years, their core relationships, their core friendships are still teenagers. 
And that is just a huge mistake. Yeah. I tell people, well, you can be a, you can be friendly without being a friend. Mm-hmm. That you can have great relationship with them, but they are not your friend. And honestly, you shouldn't be their friend. You should really be their youth pastor, their mentor, their discipler. And that's what they need. That's what they honestly want. Yeah. And that's a huge, a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Same, same mindset as parents who want to try and be friends. Like you need to be yep. different. There's a reason. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Okay. That's that's number five. What's, what's yeah. number four? Number five. Number four is organization. Uh my biggest mistake early on, and my wife is an organized person and she rescued me <laughs> a little bit early on when we got married. Um, but I had some great men in my life that were part of our church that were with patient with me and said, Hey, you're gonna go get a day-long organization class because you are a mess. You are not organized. You have no calendar. You're doing things on the spot. You're, you know, you're not preparing well in advance. And uh, honestly, we love you, but your student ministry actually really, really stinks because of it. And uh, some great elders in my life just said, "Hey, you're gonna go. You're gonna go learn how to have a day planner." And that's a huge mistake uh, in youth ministry when you are not organized. When you're waking up on Wednesday morning trying to figure out what we're gonna teach on Wednesday mm, night. Yeah. Uh, when you're planning events, you know, only a month out, um, all kinds of things like that. I mean, organization is, is a huge mistake. And in that, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stories where I just was not prepared for what was going to happen. I'm trying to, once again, wing it on, on a lesson because I hadn't really prepared, you know, a couple hours before. And so over the years, I've really changed up how I'm going to be organized, sitting down and making a 12-month calendar of all my my small events and then two or three big events that's coming up off the future so my parents can prepare, can get ready, um, save up money for that big camp, that missions trip. The same thing with teaching. We have an eight-year scope and sequence of teaching. Wow. So we know what we're going to teach over eight years and in what order. Um, we don't have it broken down into like itty-bitty little pieces, but the parents know, my, my pastor knows, all the students know, the student parents know, hey, here's what we're going to cover. And it's almost like a benchmark and a standard mm-hmm. that uh, educational model has. We have the same thing in our ministry, and we're doing the same thing now in children's ministry, and we're working that into our family ministry and parenting ministries as well. But it's all about organization. And there's so many times that we just were not prepared for what was going on in ministry. And that's a huge mistake. And once again, it doesn't seem like a big, big deal. But it really, really is when we're not organized and we're not showing ourselves to be, you know, put together. Yeah. Yeah, man. In eight year scope and sequence, I'm super jealous. We're we're trying to establish <laughs> I think ideally we would want um we would want that for sure. But even just trying to get off the ground with a two to three year sequence and having a new theological mm-hmm. discipleship streamlined rotation of what we're going to cover. Like we're, we're in the midst of like building that and how we build it into our curriculum and how do we make that jump from children to students and keep that going. Um, yeah, that's a really good benchmark yeah. to hit. And yeah, how, um, <laughs> what, what was the time frame from going to learn to use a day planner to getting to where you're able to have that scope and sequence now? Like what, what were the ups and downs and, and valleys and peaks? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, going through different ministries, you know, we we realized that we were just weren't we were just not hitting it. I mean, we were hitting certain things over and over again. What changed my model of education and teaching is actually getting a master's in education, not going to get a seminary degree. Because honestly, I want to be a better teacher, not preacher. Mm-hmm. And that's what I encourage a lot of young youth pastors as well, is 
Um, students, parents, honestly, they're not going to sit more, sit more than eight, 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, if you preach at them, you speak at them for seven to 10 minutes, their attention's done. Mm. So I actually have a seven minute rule in my ministry yeah. where every seven minutes we differentiate our instruction. We show a video, we do illustration, mm-hmm. we turn even on Sunday mornings for our middle schoolers. We do our small groups throughout the lesson. Yeah which is a, a huge different thing. And part of what I'm putting together from my website is something called seven minute Sundays and how to do a high school class in seven minute segments, which completely changes and has changed how I do things. Um, but I'll say probably about eight years ago, I got a master's in education and that changed up how I do scope and sequence teaching, how I approach teaching like lesson to lesson, uh, but also just organizing. And it's amazing. I tell people it's, it's like years and years ago when I was a younger youth pastor, I decided I was going to do a destination unknown trip. Back in the day, road rules, and uh, I was not going to tell anybody where we were going, but we were going to pack the students up, and we were going to take a five-day trip with students, not going to tell the parents, not tell the kids, Whoa. and it's going to be a surprise. And guess what? No one signed up for the trip because they had no idea where we were going. And the same thing happens to young youth pastors or young, older youth pastors say, hey, I'm going to take your kids on a, a year-long trip of education, but I'm not going to tell you until every Wednesday morning, you know, when I send out my email where we're mm-hmm. going this week. Yeah. Same thing. And that was a huge mistake on my part, trying to organize a trip without telling anybody, make it a secret. I thought it'd be cool. Yeah. And, oh, this would be awesome. Kids are going to love it. And it, it was a great trip. We went on it, but not many students went because they had no idea where we were going or what they were signing up for. And honestly, we do the same thing educationally when we, we teach, but we don't really prepare in advance. Yeah. No, I love that, man. That's a that's a really good point uh, of, of the when... Yeah, every Wednesday morning, you're going to find out. And yeah, there, there's just an... In an implicit trust there that you appreciate, but also we yeah. probably take for granted and then <laughs> abuse and don't really set it up well. Where it is kind of like a trip that I want to know where you're going. Well, you know, here you go. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. All right. So two down. What What's the next one? All right. Professionalism. Okay. Uh, I was not a professional when I first started. And uh, that's a huge mistake. I have a lot of people who come to my office that are professionals. They look at me and I'm sitting in, you know, cut off shorts and a t-shirt, you know, trying to be hip and cool with my students, saying phrases that are not adult at all and uh, just coming off really, really poorly. And uh, yeah, I mean, what changed for me a lot, I mean, I had that along and I was kind of changing, but I took a church in Washington, D.C., where 65% of my church worked for the Pentagon. And my senior pastor just came in to me and said, look, if you're going to work here, you got to put on a collared shirt, um, pants, and uh, you know you got to put some shoes on. It, realistically, we have men who are walking straight for the Pentagon. They're going to meet with you about their child. They're going to still be in their military uniform. You look like a fool. And, uh, you know, not everybody, you got to do in context, you know, you got in context of who you are, where you're working, where you're serving, but really making sure that you fit within the professional mindset of the area that you're in, um, making sure you show up on time for meetings, a uh, huge big deal. There's this stereotype of youth pastors that miss meetings, show up late, show up sloppy. Um, professionalism is a huge mistake in, in youth ministry when we don't come off. We know our students go to classes and teachers. Our teachers are professionals. They go to, you know, go sign up for sports and they have these experts in their sport that look professional, that act in a certain way and parents trust them. Uh, an easy way to get trust immediately is to look like you're trusted. Mm. <laughs> you're trustworthy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. You know, while we, we, we're we hanging out playing dodgeball, there's going to be moments when we just need to look and act professional. We need to look like and act the part of an adult. And that goes back to kind of that 
you know, being hip and cool or being trustworthy. And uh, professionalism is a, is a huge big deal. That's where organization comes in. That's where some of those things come in. Um, so I think about early on, I mean, you know, hanging out with my senior pastor and, you know, he's like, hey, we want to eat. And I showed up, how am I going to show up? And he's like, I am not going to take you to a restaurant that way. Uh, we'll take you to a nice, re- nice meal, but you look, you don't look the part. You don't look the part of an adult. I look like I'm taking my son out to, you know, Chuck E. Cheese. He's what he told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he literally was like, hey, next time we go out, you know, how much you prefer? I want to at least put on something that looks like we're going out somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Being professional. So huge mistakes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Huge mistakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, d- definitely the context of, of where you're at matters. Um, yeah. that That's something that I... I've had to balance out and figure out over the years from, I showed up to my first youth ministry internship and I was like in night, I, f- I looked like I was showing up for Easter morning, you know, and everyone's kind of looking at me like, yeah. dude, what the heck? But then if you go too far the other way, it's like, no. So <clears throat> you have to be able to balance that out and realize kind of <laughs> where you're at. And I know being in Dallas for almost 12 years, there is definitely a pressure to always look nice. Uh, yeah. and then when, um, whenever we go somewhere else, it's like, oh, I guess people just don't have that like they do in, in, in Dallas. So yeah, it's definitely about figuring out where you're at. You definitely want to relate well with your staff, with your leadership, with your parents. Um, and I think that helps you further establish yourself as the adult in your students' lives without being like the, yeah, without being like standoffish, you're just presenting yourself in a way where you can like engage well and be in the role that you should be being right so for sure very cool well that kind of goes to like the second one which is almost the first one is um parent involvement okay. i did not want parents involved in my ministry at Ooh, all that's um a big one so for the first gosh 10 years probably a little bit more i was like drop your kids off i got it you mess them up i'll fix them yep. kind of mindset yeah. you know maybe we'd have a parent meeting right forward to a trip just so the parents had you know felt good about where we're going what we're doing <laughs> obviously um but I had no parents involved in my ministry. I only had young adults and college students. Uh, parents never were allowed to help. were never allowed to chaperone. And I did nothing much to communicate to parents other than the bare minimum. And that was a huge loss. I, you know, Obviously, things have changed. Things have shifted. There's a lot of great books out there now. But I realized in my own life, you know, I only get to see these kids a couple hours a week. Parents are with them. So I need to, one, encourage them that they can do the work of discipleship. I want to equip them. Here's some stuff to help you do that. And then I want to continue and empower them to do the work of discipleship on their own. Because that's a huge miss is when parents aren't involved, uh, parents aren't equipped, and parents aren't really doing discipleship on their own. They're depending purely on you mm-hmm. for the work of discipleship. Students going to fail. Students are, student ministry is going to fail. You're going to fail. And honestly, parents are going to fail. And we're having students that are walking away from a generation that's walking away from faith, which I think partly is what we see now. Yeah. Is there's not parents that have done the work. They don't know how to. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a huge, huge big deal. Um, and as a parent, I, I get that even more so. But even before I really became you know, a teen parent, I was realizing I'm missing something. And so we have some great parents involved in our ministry. Uh, one of our key things that we shoot for is having student-led uh, adult-guided ministry, especially on the high school side of things is really allowing those parents to come in. Maybe they're not going to be the best small group leader for whatever reason, but they have skills in cooking. They have skills in in creating things. They have skills in organizing. They have skills in worship. And these are people that can coach and mentor my students to lead a ministry 
and I can hand off a ton of these acts, these aspects of our ministry, um, which is it's just a huge thing. But having parents as leaders becomes a safety for your job, mm-hmm. and that's a secret. You know, when parents defend you to other parents, you win. And so often we're scared the parents will come in and critique us. But what we have is that when we have parents are with us, they can defend us and actually cheer us on, but also build us up. And we've seen a lot of people come and ministries grow because parents were the ones that were inviting other parents to invite their kids. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, a huge little secret. It's not much of a secret, but it is a secret that when we have parents involved, it is huge protection for us and our job. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there's a, it's a multifaceted approach that just screams health and uh, it, it's accountability. It's um, the way it helps you engage with parents and to resource them better, which you made the point of like time spent um, whenever I would bring in new uh, upcoming middle school parents and, and students uh, we, we would bring them in in the summer. So they have the summer to adjust before starting school. Um, I would lay out, okay, Here's the time you're going to spend from now until you graduate high school. Um, and if you come every Sunday morning, you come to every retreat, mission trip, event we do, hours-wise, uh, I'm going to have you for about five months out of six or seven years. So parents, there's yeah. no way that I can spiritually raise your kid. My main job is to help you do that and for me to support you and encourage you to do that well. Um, and yeah, it's the mindset that, that we have to take. And I was surprised, um, in my youth ministry classes in seminary when, um, when the professor was really having to talk about that a lot of like, you can't look at parents as the enemy, um, or as the people who are like messing up and you, you have to come in and fix their mistakes. Yeah. They're going to be exceptions here and there, but by and large, like, your ministry philosophy and perspective has to be championing parents and wanting that to succeed well and seeing that as the main sticking point to making your own ministry effective. Because if not, what are students going to remember from the time in youth group? Mainly their relationships. They're not going to remember, no. they're going to remember a handful of messages that you ever give. Now, in the moment uh, when they're in school or whatever else, like those messages and resources are going to help them. But long term, they're going to remember you being there for them. And the parents and other people are there with them just as much. So you need to strengthen that as much as you can. So that's for sure. Really good. A really good (laughs) mistake to bring up that I think a lot of people probably still make. And maybe that mindset they still have of like me versus the parents, which is a very bad non-biblical, dangerous one to have. Yeah. I mean, many years ago, silly story, but many years ago, my wife and I were going to take a group of students on a mission trip and we didn't want any parents involved. And my mom's like, I want to go on a mission trip. And I said, absolutely not. Like, I don't want you. So she packed up her car, a tent, followed our 15 pastor van from Cincinnati to Southern Tennessee, where we were having our mission trip. She, she literally pitched a tent across the street from where we were staying and stayed there the whole entire week because she was going to be present. That's how much she desired to be involved in her ministry. How much she desired to be part of her kids' lives. And we completely tried to blow her off. And she just literally took a week off of work, packed up, and t- camped out. And eventually I just said, hey, you know, come across the street, hang out with us. You're here. And now, I mean, we're we're friends. I mean, her daughter and I are great, so great friends. We still have, you know connection with them. 
Um, and she became a huge fan of ours because I'm willing to accept, hey, you know what? I'm wrong. You should have came along. I should have brought you on as a leader. I got to know her as a person. She came off a little strong, obviously, of course. Um, but now we look back and we're like, all right, we really missed it. We could have had her as a leader on the, to start off with instead of making her you know, literally stalk us yeah. on a mission trip because we thought we were, you know, we didn't need her or a parent to be involved. Yeah. And it was a huge thing. We still look back. We laugh about it. Um, but yeah, you just miss those moments in ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that That's a great story. That's a really cool, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially the redemptive part. But even without that, a parent yep. just having the goal to like pack up and camp across the street, like, dang. <laughs> Wow. It's like standoff, but that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. So four down, what what did you leave for the number one mistake? Last thing is not taking care of myself. Okay. Uh, okay. I, up till quite a few years ago, I had a 12 pot cup or 12 cup pot of coffee in my corner that I would drink every day. Every day? I was drinking a lot of caffeine, trying to stay awake, try to keep up with my schedule. I would overschedule myself. I would push it hard. I wasn't sleeping right. I wasn't eating right. Um, yeah. I mean, and, you know, so many of us are dr- pounding the Red Bull, pounding the monster, trying to keep up with schedules that are just not workable. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to do it. And uh, I know early on, I mean, when I first got married, before we had kids, I was working 60, 65 hours a week. And there's no reason. You know, if you have great volunteers, you have parents involved, you're communicating, you're organized. You're professional. Uh, you really can do a 44, 45 hour week and still get everything done, walk away and, and feel good about it. But you're empowering. You need to empower leaders. And so many of us are not taking care of ourselves. We're not eating right. You know, the leftover two day old leftover pizza in our, you know, mini fridge in our corner, drinking way too much caffeine, not working out, not taking care of ourselves. Um, it's a huge loss. And I was not in a healthy place. And I talked to all young youth pastors and older youth pastors, people my age who are burning out. And I'm like, what is going on? And I start hearing about their lifestyle, but also even spiritual soul care. Um, you know, hey, I, well, I, I'm in the Bible all the time, but are you in the Bible for yourself? You know, I know you're prepping a lesson, but are you spiritually healthy? Are you taking a day off a week? Um, you know, way, way back when I started changing this, I said, no, I am, especially now when I start having kids, I will take off two days a week. Friday and Saturday will be my weekend, and I'm going to work a five-day work week. I'll work 40 hours, and I'll tie the four more because that's what I ask of my volunteers. We want we want a time, talent, and treasure tithe, so we're asking you for four hours of your week to tithe toward our ministry or a ministry of our church, and I want to live the same way. And so probably last 10 years, I've made an effort, and I've also made a commitment to my family and my wife that I will work a 44-hour work week. You know, obviously there's exceptions, camps, mission trips, things like that, but the average week, and I'm going to try to be home for dinner every single day of the week. I'm going to eat healthy as much as I can in youth ministry, um, but really make sure that I'm cutting back on the non-healthy stuff, especially caffeine. So I am a caffeine addict in recovery always, but um, really, honestly, it just it is not the best person you need to be in ministry when you are, you're not taking care of yourself. You cannot pour out of an empty cup. Yeah. And that's, that's huge. Yeah, man. That's a really big one. <laughs> coffee, yeah. coffee analogy, but yeah. 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 That, that's a really big one. Um, that's, yeah, that's, that's definitely me. Um, yeah. My, my diet's horrible. I haven't worked out since 
my son was like, you know, three months old. Um, yeah. So, um, that's a really good message to send out. Um, yeah. And, and I think you have to start it. You have to do it in baby steps. Cause I know all the influencers or Instagrammers or whatever. It's like, Hey, just do this all of a sudden and completely change your lifestyle on Monday. No, you have to like, you know, you have to, whether it's like one of those apps of like couch potato to 5k or whatever, like you have to like be able to, whatever you do spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, you know, um, I would also throw in there, find a counselor. Um, you need to have, whether it's a trusted friend or a professional, if you can swing it and see if your church has ministry budget money for it, if you can't, because I know it can be expensive. Like that personally for me saved my ministry. I'm not sure I'd still be in ministry if it wasn't for counseling. So, um, yeah, taking care of networking. Yeah. networking. Networking is, is huge. Big. Oh, I love networking. Yeah, I'm I'm looking to, yeah. to fire another network up back here that's been in that was in the area a long time ago and has been dormant. And so uh a pastor across town is working with me and we're gonna try and fire that back up. So yeah. um free group therapy. It's yeah. free group therapy. Mm-hmm. We joke about it, but it really, really is. We have one here locally. My wife and I were sat on the National Council for National Network for Youth Ministry for about three or four years now, years ago. And wherever we go, if there's not one happening, we try to get one going. Um, but networking is free, <laughs> free group therapy. Yeah. It really is. And uh, mentors are there. We try to really build mentorship into our networks and things like that. But a counselor and a mentor. Yeah. Uh, somebody in the ministry that willing to like be real with you and they're not doing it because they're getting paid. And so we've just found some really great older men and women in our life that have breathed life into us, told us that we need to get organized, get professional, stop acting like kids, and then stay healthy. I mean, that's where uh, my mentor, who just passed away about a year mm. ago, um, just was always on me. Like, you got to, this is the things, stuff that I didn't listen to, that I should have, and things that, you know, he really changed my ministry because of uh, just his mentorship, his willingness to kind of stay with it. Uh, with me. And, you know, he was 65 years old when he passed away and he was still a youth pastor. he left youth ministry, went back into youth ministry. He was, he was a youth pastor at a small church where his son was the senior pastor. Wow. And so huge hero of my life. And, uh, but also was always willing to pick up the phone and say, all right, I'm going to be real with you. And uh, that's huge. You need to find someone like that in your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, Dan, Thank you for your time, man. Uh, give us, yeah. give us your best sixty-second plug for, for, yeah. for Youth Ministry Hub. Yeah, youthministryhub.com. As I said, it's been around for a few years now. We have uh, games. We have uh, one night resources, which is a all-inclusive package includes everything for one night of youth ministry. Two games, all the presentation, everything else. And then right now, as we just mentioned, we're doing a lot of family ministry stuff. So we have something called Faith at Home. It's a a two-page. One page is how to disciple your child. Second page is an activity to do discipleship at home with your child. And then coming soon is the 7-Minute Sunday, which is an updated version of Sunday School that really does it in 7-Minute segments and gives you an opportunity to really be effective in your Sunday School class. And then we try to post. I mean, we post five days out of seven. So there's always something on our what we call our blog, which is just a variety of, of resources, uh, updates, some humor, uh, guest posts, all kinds of things are on there. 
every single day. That's awesome. So that's my quick plug. That's awesome, man. That's great. I'll put the link to that in the show notes in the YouTube description. Um, great. Dan, thanks so much, man. Thanks for making it a difference in leaders' lives and students' lives. Uh, keep rocking. And thanks again for your time, bro. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Dan for joining me. The link to his website is in the show notes. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. And be sure to check out our website, youthministrymaverick.com. There, you can see a comprehensive list of our guests, their bio information, some organizations that can help you in your ministry, some articles I've published, and a store to help support the podcast. Also, we would love if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, not just a rating, but a review. It helps our visibility, and we would really appreciate that. If you do leave us a review, take a screenshot of it and send it to me, and I will personally mail you a thank you card with some podcast swag that you can't get on the store. Well, that does it for today. Thanks again for listening. Please share this if it helps others that you know, and we hope that you've been encouraged by it. Until next time, adios.